Please note, for maximum picture quality, it may be necessary to adjust the tracking control on your VCR. Welcome to another episode of Adjust Your Tracking. This is the podcast where me and my friend Ollie are trying to clear out our movie backlogs by going year by year, decade by decade, for a century of cinema. As I said, I'm Liam. And I'm Ollie. There we go. And uh, welcome to the show. How are you doing, Al? I'm good, thanks. Not too bad. It's getting warmer, so that's nice. But we can't really. Yeah, it is um, getting warmer, actually. We can't really go out and have much fun with it, though. <laughs> no, no, we're still locked down at Central Travel only. And any plans for Easter coming up? Uh, yeah, uh, my wife is cooking a nice Sunday dinner. That's about it. That's all I know. That's about it. <laughs> what about yourself? Apparently, I've got some kind of digital, um, I don't know, Easter Sunday pub quiz going on oh okay um god knows what that's going to be like or is that like a pub that you frequent that has a facebook page or something or is it just a general yeah yeah the the pub that i i frequent is having a a, a, a pub quiz well i used to frequent but well, that's good that's a nice way to keep your customers and like i know the um the mockingbird cinema here in birmingham are doing like film nights so they'll pick a film on netflix okay isn't it like a Netflix party now, so you can like chat along and stuff like that? Yeah. Have you done Netflix party yet? No, not yet. I know you and Benson and that lot did it, didn't you? But, um... Yeah, we watched uh, Fighting With My Family. Any good? I've already seen it, to be honest. I quite like it. It's all right. I bored everyone. I bored everyone to pieces about like <laughs> film trivia and wrestling trivia and and Florence Plue Plu? Pew? being fucking amazing. So, How does it work? Is it just like a normal chat chat room to the side of the picture or how does it work it's just through google browser chrome and like it's just a chat room down the side while it's playing but i think it's i think if you pause, if like the person in control pauses it, it pauses for everyone and that's the kind of big thing oh okay because i was gonna say you may as well just be on whatsapp and just chat amongst it well, exactly yeah you might as well just put, yeah but i think they control it and it was fun actually it's kind of weird trying to find things to do um at the moment everyone's trying to like do online quizzes and like play Jackbox and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, I just spend most of my time looking for work, <laughs> which is not sure. proving very fruitful for a self-employed uh, filmmaker. But I've um, <laughs> today I've been doing this uh, Instagram challenge where you get people to you've got like a little a board of six like squares. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like give me six characters to make fan art of. So I put that out on. Uh, the interwebs and uh, people including yourself gave me some suggestions so i've been doing that today so if you want to check it out you can check out ollie underscore jones underscore animator on instagram and you can check them out oh, liam yeah. picked guy ferrari damn so straight I... your guy i've already <laughs> seen your guy ferrari it's a fucking amazing sketch like that is the best one what were the others i did do batgirl but i think you asked for batwoman but i misread it and <laughs> 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 I like Batwoman, like the red hair. I did. I'm trying to remember who I did. I did Marilyn Manson. Hmm. I did him from his Mechanical Animal era, which was my favourite era of Manson, if I had to pick a favourite era. Is the Mechanical era uh, when he's the full white bodysuit with no genitals? Yeah, he's like the androgynous kind yeah. of... Yeah, all silver. I did Hans Klopek from The Burbs. Oh, of course, yeah. Saradine. 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 Saladin. Saladin. Tank Girl. Oh, I love Tank Girl. 
and my tank girl's not very good, I don't think. And I did Marty McFly as well. Oh, cool. Marty so, McFly. Yeah, that, that kept me occupied for today. <laughs> yeah, that, that passed the time. I had a work meeting, which was boring. So that was about it. My work's just died for like two weeks. And then this week, it's like everyone's decided, right, it's back to normal. And it's just it's just become a normal workload, except I can work a lot slower because the like it's much crapper and slower working from home on the VPN. And that's basically the difference at the moment. I thought they were going to get you to do some services like delivering shit and... Yeah, they, yeah, they did say that I was meant to be... Um, not furloughed. What's the word? Redeployed into like yeah, yeah different services. But um, my boss had a bit of an an anger, and <laughs> okay. basically just said like you can't redeploy him. He does like a an essential service anyway, and he's the oh, only person that can do it. So they can't really stop <laughs> me doing the job. Like, not that not that I'm an essential archaeologist, you know. But fucking hell, like. <laughs> Have you watched anything recently or God, I've not watched too much. My evenings have been full um spending eh, I've been full what playing um Metal Gear Solid at the moment. That seems to be <laughs> what I'm mainly doing. Um I need to open the seal of mine. I've had it for five years. I bought it on day one. It even says on the box day one edition. <laughs> really? And I still haven't opened it. <laughs> it's really old, isn't it? Because I mean it's Metal Gear Solid five I'm talking about. Phantom Pain, is it called? Yeah. Did you play the bit before that though? It's kind no, of no. I didn't play that. Like I, I do it's have like a it, short game it. that was Grand Zeroes. Meant, that's it. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't played it. Yeah, so this game came out in 2015. So like, I'm <laughs> five years behind anyway. I'm not. I'm what they call it. I'm a patient gamer. I wait. I wait for games to get cheap and then I buy them. So is this actually Snake or is this Big Boss? Well, that would be a spoiler. They call him Big Boss in the game. I don't actually think it is Big Boss. I think it's another clone. Oh, okay. But I haven't got to that. I haven't got to that twist yet, so I might be wrong. I don't know. Would you have preferred it was David Hater than Keith Sutherland, or do you like Sutherland? I like David Hater. I like David Hater a lot. Do you remember watching the Giver with him in years ago? Yes. Giver Dark Hero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he actually wrote the um, the Watchmen script, didn't he? Did he? And X Men one and two. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. I didn't know that at all. God, my favorite character is the character no one likes from um, uh, Metal Gear Solid. Anyway, I think who's that? Uh, Raiden. Oh, the guy who backflips downstairs. So, yeah, yeah, so yeah. over the top and annoying. It's like just walk down the fucking stairs. No, <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna cartwheel down. I'm it. gonna cartwheel backwards. Like, I think it's the because everyone loved Metal Gear Solid so much that when Metal Gear Solid Two came out, which I think was called um, Sons of Liberty. Sons of Liberty. Yeah, yeah. Um, and basically, Raiden was the main character and not Snake. Everyone got kind of pissed off. What well, that was Kojima being Kojima's going, yeah. Ah. <laughs> you thought you were into this, but I love the character. I really liked him. And didn't he? He ends up becoming a ninja, doesn't he? Yeah, he takes over the uh, the role of the ninja. And I think he hasn't got a bottom. Have you played four? Uh, have I played four? Which one's four? Guns of the Patriots. No, I didn't play that one. He's kind of got like a glass jaw or something. I don't know. I must try. I must try and play it. I only because I don't own any consoles. I always play them on PC. And I don't think Guns of the Patriots was on the PC. I mean, in all fairness to Kojima, I know he he always has scantily clad women, but he makes his male characters just as sexy as his female characters. He does. He does. Maybe not Psycho Mantis, but well, it's it's the um, the character I was telling about, Quiet, which um, 
she's just a lady in a bikini with tights on and that's it and <laughs> you're like in the middle of the afghan desert and you're like um i think you want a bit more support love and she's bouncing around everywhere and obviously she would burn to a fucking crisp in that fucking sun like I've worked in deserts, I can tell you that. After your description, I had to look it up, and it, all I found was just cosplayers doing it. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. so you're walking around a, a convention hall pretty much in pants and a bra. All right, fair enough. And then, obviously, I told you this, but it, the reason is she breathes through her skin like a like a plant, which just, to me, reads so much like a bunch of guys in, a, in like a writer's room trying to come up with a reason why this woman has to be naked. <laughs> So, um, as a real movie podcast, have you actually watched any movies? Or I, I can't. I was trying to think what I've watched. We could talk. Yeah, we'll just talk video games forever. Like it's practically a movie. So I haven't watched a movie. The only thing I've watched is that uh, new Netflix documentary. It's called. Um, what's it called? How to fix a drug scandal. Oh, my housemate was watching that. Was it? Do you like it? Uh, it's all right. I'm about well three episodes in, and I think it's just one of those ones that. It's going on a bit too long. It could have easily been like a an hour and a half, two hour movie, and they're just like typical Netflix. They've gone, can you extend it? Yeah, right. Unlike Tiger King, which actually had really interesting characters, and it was a, a good character study. The last episode of Tiger King was a pile of shit. I can't remember the last one. But they just could have. They always are one episode too long. Those Netflix shows. They always are. Apparently, there's a new episode coming out next week yeah i heard that so by the time this one's this episode's out that episode will already be out so i don't know what they're going to focus on and apparently they've greenlit a a documentary about what's her name the woman carol baskins carol baskin carol baskins i can't do his impression they're doing a documentary series about the murder of or the disappearance of her husband which to be fair they cover in great detail in the show anyway yeah i don't think i need any more information at all i don't know I think we talked about that already. Actually, I think we mentioned Tiger we King have. already. Yeah, okay, I did watch a film, but I don't want to. I don't want to tell you what it is yet because it might come up later. Okay. Um, and that would be spoilers. I keep saying spoilers. I have been watching lots of YouTube videos of people making cars or cups out of wood, so that's fascinating for you. You know, when it's like a, <laughs> you can't sleep at three in the morning, so you just watch YouTube videos and you're like, yeah, I'll watch. Uh, Two Indian men make a, a pool in their back garden out of their I watched that. resources. I watched that. <laughs> he made like a, a millionaire's pool and just himself with a twig. Like it was fucking yeah, amazing. Yeah, swimming yeah. in at the end. It's, yeah, yeah, it's brilliant. <laughs> I watched that. Well, there we go. That's the, it's a podcast about YouTube videos. <laughs> well, why not, man? That's a niche. Let's do that. That's a side, the side, uh, side cast. I've been watching a shitload of Hot Dad. That's what I've been watching. And Oh, the musician guy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I watched WrestleMania. There is definitely two things in WrestleMania I can talk about. Because the Boneyard match between AJ Styles and Undertaker was fucking fabulous. And was shot like a film. It was it was not shot like a wrestling event at all. It was shot like kind of a an 80s kind of grindhouse action kind of film, really. <laughs> like it was. Did it have the filter over it? It almost did. Yeah, honestly, it almost did. A um, lot of Metallica in it, and you know it had a music associated with it. And for a guy like Undertaker, who's approaching sixty now, he must be. They made him look like a billion dollars because they can shoot round his kind of the fact that he's had a hundred hip replacements and stuff. So it's, it, it's very it was, clever the way they've worked around it for WrestleMania. It was. Like I was saying to you before, like other sports, I say that with air quotations. Sure, haven't got the luxury that wrestling has that they can kind of make it more theatrical and. 
and like kind of go a different route with it and still end you know still, still entertain people project, the same yeah. kind of thing and the other one yeah. there's a there's another match that did like that was john cena versus uh bray wyatt and the and bray wyatt's character is called the fiend and the whole idea with the fiend is he's kind of like this supernatural demon who kind of gets into your brain and cuts you down to like your base kind of base kind of level really and kind of destroys your ego so they had this match between him and john cena which was literally just in john cena's brain about deconstructing the character of john cena so it was all about how like john cena himself has this fake character when he's meant to be a superhero but actually he's really scared about being just like a muscle guy who's a villain who's actually he's been the bad guy the entire time and and like burying other wrestlers and stuff it was fucking weird and i'm like really this is wwe programming but it's really good and it really works so his costume is bizarre to me because what he kind of wears like a baseball cap in like sneakers and that and he just looks i don't know man he just looks weird and he looks like ernest now do you remember ernest yeah 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 yeah. he looks a lot like ernest have you watched any john cena films yeah i've well the only one i've seen is bumblebee and he wasn't very particularly very good in it i haven't watched bumblebee bumblebee's quite entertaining he's really good in train wrecked i thought i thought he was really funny in it train wrecked is that the judd apatow one yeah 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 i still haven't watched that one I need, to, I need to watch that. I think my housemate was watching one time and I just stayed downstairs and watched it. Isn't he in the um, Fast and Furious franchise now? Oh, is he? Uh. I mean, who isn't at this point? Yeah, that's that doesn't narrow it down. I'm trying to think. He was in um, Ferdinand that no one, no one saw. He was in Blockers. I don't know if anyone watched that. But he's in the new... Um, Ferdinand? Yeah, the one with the bull. The kind of Spanish bull. Oh, animated film. Yeah, I know. That doesn't count. It does count. It's still a performance, kind of. <laughs> Uh, he, but he's going to be in the new Suicide Squad, isn't he? Ah. Uh, and he's replacing Dave Batista, who for some reason isn't doing it now. Bizarrely, that film was sh- is already shot. Yeah. Is it? But it was yeah, but it wasn't scheduled to come out until after Batman, so it was meant to come out next June, and then that was coming out in August. So I don't understand why a film that was already shot is coming out after the film that didn't even start production. It's bizarre. Release schedules—they're very important. They're world building. Who knows what's going on now? Who knows what's going on? I'm looking forward to. The, I like James Gunn. I'm looking forward to the new Suicide Squad. I love the Suicide Squad as a in the comics. The first film can fuck off. It was a pile <laughs> of trash, but it's such a good, it's such a good kind of um, base for mining, you know, stories and characters that there's no reason why they couldn't do it. What, have I ever told you my pitch for the first Suicide Squad film? What they should have done? I think I might have. Well, in my head, before you say, my my idea is that it should have at least focused on one character, like, say, like, Boomerang or something. That would have helped. Kind of just... Just to lead the character in. As you're into the world, not just they all suddenly wake up, because you need need the ones that have already been in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. To kind of explain. But carry on, go on. What's your idea? Oh, it's much. It's different to that. Well, it's simpler. All like all it was that um, it should have come. It should have come out after Justice League, and it should have been about the plot of Justice League, no matter what the plot of Justice League was. But it should have been stuff happening in the background that you don't that like shows you another side to the story. So that kind of then changes what that would have. It changes what the original story would have been. I mean, it doesn't matter because Justice League was a pile of shit, and there wasn't any room to do that either. But it doesn't make it didn't make any sense the where they placed it having just no connection to anything really i think 
the original idea was that it was going to be Steppenwolf and Parademons, and it was supposed to be a side story to Justice League, where Justice League then fight um, Darkseid. Darkseid, yes, which would have made more sense. But I kind of think the Suicide Squad should fight a, a low, a smaller. No, that's lower... what I mean. I, I would the have had them. Should have been smaller. Yeah, they, like they do it in comics all the time, like especially during the big crisis events. But I would have had them fight, like uh, doing a ground level threat in New York, whilst you know the Justice League are blowing up gods in the sky. There was something else going on in New York, and they they were doing that. Well, like. it might be quite interesting as well that they hire they get the Suicide Squad to save the people from the cities and stuff like that, which yeah, goes yeah. against their their nature. Yeah, totally. Because that's. And I think that might be more interesting. So maybe in the background, you could have seen the Justice League. Yeah. Blowing up space aliens and, and super stuff. gods yeah. and yeah, Jack Kirby shit. Which, to like, be honest, bores the crap out of me. A little, yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm so bored of CGI endings with portals and... Big, giant gods and... Yeah, yeah just, I know. Me too. I'm me trying too. to think of a superhero film with an ending that I really actually liked. I really like the ending of Endgame, but it yeah it looked it looked real like muddy to me though it looked yeah. like I don't know. There's there's rarely a superhero film that grow that kind of doesn't just grow into a big big threat, does it? Like no, they did a good job with those two uh, Endgame and uh, what was the other one? Infinity War. Infinity War. I yeah, didn't really I like quite, Infinity War though, but I really really dug um, Endgame. Like, I thought Endgame was really well done. I I don't like what they did to Hulk. <laughs> I kind of have a bit of an issue with. Uh, I I liked Grey Hulk a lot, or whatever they were calling him in that. Professor Hulk. Yeah. I don't know. Ow. Jesus. I dropped Leonardo. <laughs> Is he okay? Yeah, he's all right. You're all right, Leonardo. <laughs> my toy my toy cabinet's right next to me, and I just whacked it with my elbow. <laughs> I'll cut that out anyway. So no I'm sure you cut that us. out. So there's not just a big <laughs> boom. Uh, right, so this week we are looking at 1994. So what's your, like, 94 then? I think 1994 for me was the was the Jim Carrey year. Yeah, yeah I think it was. So you had <laughs> The Mask, Dumb and Dumber and Ace Ventura. I think those were the only films that were really on my radar. I don't. I don't know if anyone else had ever had a year quite as good as that. I know, yeah, that was... Like, out of just nowhere. And by the first start of the year, like, no one really knew his name. Even though, I mean, he'd been in... What was that sketch show called he was in? I can't remember. But by the end of the year, he was, like, the most highly paid actor in Hollywood. It was incredible. Well, I think all those films were put out by Warner Brothers, so they knew what they had on their hands. And apparently when they did... When they were doing Dumb and Dumber, like the option was open to have Jim Carrey and they were like, mm, I don't know. And apparently his fee then was like $500,000 or something like that. So the budget for Dumb and Dumber was supposed to be like, was only meant to be $3 million or something. It's like a low budget comedy. And uh, they said, let's just see how the uh, Ace Ventura does. And if it does well, we'll we'll put him in the film. But clearly Ace Ventura did gangbusters. And then they think they said, "Okay, great, we want him in our film now." And then Jim Carrey's lawyers were like, "Not lawyers, but his agents were like, all right, that's uh, seven million dollars." <laughs> like what? <laughs> so the budget went from like a three million dollar film straight to like a fifteen million dollar film just because of. Yeah, I think Jeff Jim Daniels Carrey's. made like hundreds of thousands from it. Just he just took a check and 
he was the much more well-known person when they were starting and shooting it. Apparently the Harry character, though, is considered the lead character because he's got the more dialogue. And apparently they offered that to Jim Carrey, but he hmm. gave that to Jeff Daniels, apparently. That was the film I'd watched, by the way. I knew it would come up. That's I watched that. Dumb and Dumber. Yeah, I watched it today, actually. Because like, I wanted to kind of see if it held up. And I think it really, really holds up. I think it really totally I holds up. I watched it like, not long ago and I was wetting myself. It does really crack day. me up. It does. It really makes me laugh. And they're both really funny in it. Do not watch the extended version. No, Do I can't bother with that version. bullshit. Yeah. It's a shame that they made two sequels to it that well, one prequel that don't don't need it whatsoever. And it's kind of it's also the best Peter Farrelly ever was as well, frankly. Yeah, yeah. I mean the second Ace Ventura, Ace Ventura, the second Dumb and Dumber, I I can't hate it because I like those two characters and I think they right. do a good job at still being those characters. And there is some funny moments in it, but Overall, it's not a very good film. But I watched it on a plane, and I couldn't tell you a thing about the second film. Actually, <laughs> I, I was just I was just racking my brain. Then I can't even remember a thing about it. Whereas the first Dumb and Dumber, I can quote so much of that film. But we would we came out at an age where like it would massively kind of be the biggest film we saw and watched a hundred times. Oh, the amount of times I've watched that in your I don't know whatever you called it your back room in your house, and we oh, watched yeah, those yeah. at least those three films on a loop. Yeah, That's... masked well, and and that year. Well, Clerks came out that year. We've talked oh, yeah, about Clerks. Mr. Smith. I think. Yeah. Um, I I feel bad for our first episode because I feel like I shat on him so much, and I I, d- I really feel a bit guilty because Kevin Smith and Scott Adkins are single handedly responsible for me doing what I do now for a living. If it wasn't oh, right, for yeah. those two people. Like, it was Scott for having the camcorder and making me and Rob Kenyon fight each other in the back garden, making <laughs> me think, oh, I want to make films. But I also thought films had to cost millions and millions of dollars to make, and then yeah. it wasn't until I saw Clerks that I yeah. thought, oh, I can actually make a film with a cam- my own yeah. camera and just, as long as you, you know, where there's a will, there's a way, you know. I'm still waiting for that in <laughs> the way, but... Um... <laughs> I think you... We were down on the film. I don't think we were down on Kevin Smith too much. Like yeah, he annoys me a little more than he annoys you. I think maybe there was a bit of that <laughs> in it. But if it's... if anyone's interested, he's done a commentary track for Jay and Silent Bob reboot. So you know, do with that information as you may. Also, <laughs> Zack Snyder did one for Batman v Superman, which is quite infuriating because that man is so confused <laughs> with what movie he made. He doesn't know what film he made. <laughs> and it comes across so apparently in the film. Oh anyway. god. Nineteen ninety four. Ninety four. What else in ninety four? Uh my favourite film in ninety four is probably um Well, Pulp Fiction was that year. I was gonna say Pulp Fiction came out that year. I still think that's a fantastic, fantastic film. Fantastic, yeah, it really is. It's um perfect film really. Is it the best Tarantino? Ooh, um, yeah, I really did like Hateful Eight, though, I have to say. Yeah, I really liked Hateful Eight, too. I really liked Once Upon a Time in Hollywood as well. I, I was surprised by it. Well, it was a fun character piece. It wasn't necessarily a film, which probably uh, kind of goes with the film we watched today. It doesn't. It's not a film with closure or anything like that, yeah. as such, but it's... It's a film telling um, you a, a, a slice of a story, like a slice of Yeah, it's fun and... following those two characters. Yeah. 
Um, what else did you have? You had The Lion King was the highest grossing film that year. It was. Absolutely destroyed. I'm not a fan of The Lion King. Oh, I like it. I do. I haven't seen the, I haven't seen the live action one and I probably won't get around to watching oh, it. Oh, I won't see that. Forrest Gump. How do you feel about Forrest Gump? Uh, I think if that film came out this year, everyone involved would be cancelled. I think <laughs> it's it's a it's a war crime of a movie. <laughs> yeah, but you love the director. I do. I love Bobby Z. I think Bobby Z is just fucking. I don't know. Weird as fuck. That movie is just such. It's such boomer filmmaking. I mean, it's ninety four, and it's just all about the sixties, and it's all about like yeah. like let's put the sixties, which was your childhood, into a film, and you can see all this stuff with this character in it, and um. It doesn't hold much interest to me, if I'm honest. It never really has. And then the the shit with his wife in that or girlfriend in that is is really is really kind of awful. It's hard to kind of watch. I think like, Does she, is she supposed to have AIDS in it? Is that what is that yeah. the inclination? Is that what it is? Yeah, she kind of because they goes, never say it, do they? I can't even remember. But for no reason, they treat that character really badly just because she wanted. I don't know. It just feels like a really. It feels like the same thing in like in the Jurassic world film when they kill the uh the female um what's the assistant in a really hu- like horrific and and kind of cruel death in any thinking why does it have to be this cruel like this yeah. feels really really weird and hateful and i'm not sure why the film hates the character so much and i felt that with forrest gump with the jenny character as well i think just because she didn't want to sleep with forrest gump i think I can't even remember why they just treat her like crap, really, or just because she did. A few I mean, drugs. she does in the end because they have a child together, don't they? Uh, yeah, true. I, yeah, yeah. Do you know who the child is that who plays Forrest Junior? I don't. It's. I think it's Haley Joel Osment. Oh, is it? You know, from the Sixth Sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Who's also in Dumb and Dumber? Who's he in Dumb and Dumber? Isn't he the, isn't he the blind kid in Dumb and Dumber? I mixed no, up No, he's not actors. Billy and Forsey. He's not the blind kid, no. Who plays the blind kid in Dumb and Dumber? I don't know, but he re, he plays him again in Dumb and Dumber 2. Oh, does he? Okay, yeah. it's not him. I completely just made that up then. Do you know in um, in the book of Forrest Gump, he actually goes to space? <laughs> Of course he does. Yeah, of course he does. So I don't know if he's meant to be a part of the moon landing or something. Yeah, yeah, because that's like the that's the big boomer thing, isn't it? The space landing stuff. So of course that would be in it. I tell you what, other film I loved from that year, I loved the Hudsucker Proxy. Okay, yeah, yeah, totally. You know, for kids. You know, for kids. What else have we got? I'm just I'm just scrolling through at the moment. Well, Edward is Edward is what maybe oh. Tim Burton's best film. Maybe. It's oh a bit no, of a... it, hands down. That and Edward Scissorhands are his best films. Well, Beetlejuice is, yeah, arguably, but yeah, like Edward is just amazing. Um, it's a better film than I think you'll remember it being as well. It's one of those kind of things. And um, you also had The Crow that year. Yeah, I I I still like The Crow, but it definitely started off that trend of trench coat wearing antiheroes, didn't it? That kind of. (laughs) I kind of don't like, like the crow because of what the crow became, and the Matrix. What do you mean, like a co- costume cosplay? Yeah, or? it's every kind of every person just being like the kind of the makeup and trench coat, and then that's it. Just seems a oh, bit. Die Hard on a Bus came out this year as well. What speed? Yeah, it's from that. Like, it's one of my favorite um, Jackie Chan films. Is from this year, uh, Legend of Drunken Master. A wonderful film, like wonderful fighting, like. Oh, the sequel? 
Well, yeah, yeah, the sequel, which was, but it was released in America as like the first one, really. Ah, okay. Because I love the first one. I think it's great. And uh, Quiz Show yeah. is one of my favorite films. From That's this a year. very good film. Robert Redford. Film. Oh, one of your favorites came out in the Army Now. Oh fuck off! Oh man, <laughs> that film is dreadful. Which is worse, that or Jury Duty? That in the Army Now is worse. Yeah. <laughs> in the in the four, the the best one is Encina Man. Second one is Son in Law, and then then Biodome, and then Jury Duty, and then in the Army Now. That's my Pauly Shaw rankings. rankings. <laughs> oh, the film. The ranking no retro- one asked for. The film that retroactively became like the the greatest film ever made came out as well. The Shawshank Redemption, which like no one cared about. At no the time one cared about it at all. Yeah. It is a very good film, though. I it's do. It's a good enjoy film. That film. It's a little overdone. It's not as good as yeah. everyone kind of lords it being, but it is good. It's, an, it's a weird feel-good film by the end. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah it's a it's a very man's man's man film i think yeah that's true it does work though but it's a big year i mean um the other thing is as well uh pompoko came out this year which is a fucking brilliant studio ghibli film i'm surprised you haven't mentioned star trek generations Uh, i don't like to talk about the star trek films (laughs) i i kind of love star trek generations it's kind of awful but i kind of love it really Street Fighter the movie came out. Okay, you can stop listing films at me now. <laughs> I'm done now. I've got to, I've got to December. Is that what you do? You just scroll through. Yeah. Does, does that mean Star Trek was a, a December release? Was that an it was Oscar like player? November, December. It was like at the end of the year. Yeah, tail end of the year. Yeah, and they were going for that Oscar for Shatner. <laughs> <laughs> or um. Jean-Luc Picard. What's Jean-Luc his name? Picard. Uh, what's his name? No, what's his real name? Patrick Stewart. Patrick Stewart. Has he is ever he a got? Sir? Yeah, he is. He's so yeah, definitely, definitely. Has he ever got a nomination for anything? He don't think so, has he? No, but I, I reckon he may have won something for Green Room. Maybe. I think he was robbed. Actually, I, I think was, he, was, he was. I think Logan. He was robbed for, and I think, I think if that film had come out kind of two years later, at least after Black Panther. He definitely would have got a nod for for playing Logan, for playing Professor X. Oh, he was so good in that. He is. He absolutely he he dominates that film, and he really gives it like an emotional heart that you don't often find in the X Men films at all. Like, and I love Logan. I I I will stand for Logan at all points. And do you remember we went through a phase of of posting videos of himself stoned with his incredibly young wife? <laughs> what is wrong with that? Good, he's doing his triple takes or quadruple takes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't do it on a vision. It doesn't work visually. The uh... wait, it does work visually. It doesn't work audially. Or- I mean, audially. Yeah, sorry. Have you? Um, he's been doing a sonnet a day, hasn't he? He's been Has reading a, a Shakespeare sonnet every day for your isolation needs, which I actually haven't watched. I've watched like two of them, but I'm going to pretend I'm a- I've watched them all. So, what are we talking about today, then, Liam? We are talking about um, uh, <laughs> my brain broke. I'm sorry. I thought I was going to mention Eat, Drink, Man, Woman. There we go. Eat, Drink, Man, Woman. There we go. Um, tick, tick. 
Great film, Ang Lee. I'm going to mention Ang Lee film every year. Eat, drink, man, woman. Watch that film. Do you think? So, Liam, what are we talking about today? Right, today we're going to tackle One Car Wise Chunking Express. On the streets of Hong Kong, a mysterious woman, a young cop, and an innocent dreamer are about to meet where mystery and romance collide. Miramax Films and Rolling Thunder Pictures present Wong Kar Wai's Chung King Express. Time Magazine calls it a delicious romance. A knockout, terrifically stylish, raves the Los Angeles Times. And LA Weekly calls it a genuine wonder, intoxicating from first frame to last. Express, a film by Wong Kar Wai. So, uh, what did you think of the film? Um, I thought this was one of the best films I've ever watched. <laughs> really? <laughs> I adored this film. Yeah. I really liked it, and it was it wasn't what I was expecting in the slightest. No, me neither. I but thought because I... I knew it was about cops, and I thought it was going to be a cop thing, and it isn't. It's it's like an anti movie, so. Really, this film has its basis in like French New Wave cinema, really, in the fact that it's go on. It's a film that kind of like so. Do you know much about French New Wave? Explain, enlighten me. So they kind of did films that and the audience. So, <laughs> so the French New Wave cinema was basically like it was about the love of cinema and not necessarily tackling uh, s- stories with a beginning, middle and an end. It was just more about technique and kind of going with the flow almost. So they'd kind of almost like make them up as they went along, which this film definitely had that vibe to it. Don't you think? Yeah, totally. So French new wave cinema is kind of like um, John Luke Goddard, I think. Yeah. Really. I mean, he's the, he's the biggest of the of the lot, well, the 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 most well known one. The most well known. Well, Eric Roma as well, isn't it? That's I, I know Eric Roma. Yeah, yeah. Roma, if you pronounce it like that. What are some of the big ones? Is it like Breathless and Breathless? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah. this film also is is so it's made up of two stories. The first one follow they both follow two cops who have been dumped. I guess. Yeah. 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 Um. So the first one is a guy who is dumped by his girlfriend May on the 1st of April. Yes. And gives himself a month to get over a basic or to, yeah. to a month to kind of No, he decides yeah, he, the... yeah, he decides in a month's time um that's when I'm going to get over basically and yeah. I'm going to I'm going to so wallow in it film, for a month. And then So throughout that that story he's constantly phoning her or kind of yeah. trying to get hold of her or checking his like his voice messages and stuff like that yeah so that's a lot a... of it is set outside this kind of fast food well not fast food but like a yeah it's a fast it? like fast a... food street restaurant called um midnight yeah. express yeah 
I was going to explain that because um, the, the title of the film is made up of the Chunking Mansions and uh, Midnight Express. And Midnight Express because that's where a, Wong Kar Wai was. He grew up. He grew up. Yeah, yeah. Midnight Express is a was was it doesn't exist anymore, but it was like a uh, just a fast food place in the middle of Central in Hong Kong, which is kind of more the business district. And um, okay. Chunking Mansions is a huge kind of like multi kind of use block which has apartments in and shops and restaurants uh, in uh Su, i think it's pronounced i might get this i'm probably going to get the pronunciation really badly but that's kind of a more it's the more kind of chinese area of hong kong it's the more uh whereas the the central's more like the english part of hong kong especially in the right. 90s like so and, uh, how when was it that that like the uk rule or ownership when did that go? Well, that's was interesting because that like mid- it was 1999 where it got handed back uh, yeah. to technically to Beijing, but really to Hong Kong itself. It's it's complicated because Hong Kong has a lot of over those 100 years when it was technically like a British province. I, I can't remember what it actually was. Um, were we part? Of, were they part of the Commonwealth? Maybe I think. Like, yeah, yeah, they were definitely. Um, it got a lot of independence and a bit, a bit of a different kind of spirit to Hong Kong itself. It, it kind of took a bit of like a path away from kind of Beijing and, and mainland China. And so when it was handed back to China in 1999, they wanted to kind of keep that independence and, and, and kind of identity to themselves. And that's why, like, so it's been a good 20 years since then. And we've definitely seen the last few years that the people of Hong Kong have been fighting against this kind of ownership oh, yeah, of Beijing and, and really wanted to keep that identity. They're really worried about losing that kind of uniqueness to Hong Kong, to Beijing and stuff, and wanting to keep their freedoms, especially their freedoms in like media and st- and business and stuff like yeah. that. And it's a big, like it's a big thing for the young people over there to keep the identity. So this is interesting that it was 1994. So this before all of that, and it, it, this was building up to that handover, that building up to that kind of, end of british rule there as well so i think it's quite so nice going that. back to the film yeah so, so the first he... story is that's takishi kanero is it tanishi kanshiro kanshiro yeah. i think yeah um he's the cop who doesn't have a name he's just called a number isn't he he's these cop number and um well no he's hey he quite hey i'm gonna butcher it it's like h-e-q-i-w-u Okay. I Nickname thought... Ahu Ahu Ahu. Oh yeah, Hikwai. Okay. Yeah. There you go. See, I, I'm terrible at things like that. I'm like a proper I'm, British person. I'm gonna pretend. <laughs> I, I, I will try and pronounce stuff, but I'm more than happy to, for someone to correct me. Like, but he's cop two two. So anyway, well. he. Like, yeah. So he he meets a woman that the the woman in the blonde wig who is like yeah. a drug runner, I guess. She is. Yeah, that's Bridget Lin. That is. Yeah. She's... Who. She retired after this film, or like the same year as this film came out. So she was kind of like a I massive know she was star. In, yeah, she was in Police Story. I know that. Yeah. But um, so she, so she's a drug runner, and she's hiring like what Pakistani Indian men to kind of like to I drug run for. Her. Yeah, this is that was I wanted to say about that because chunking chunking mansions itself is known for being this part of um Shah Sui. Uh, that is really um, a mix of international mix. So it's where you get a lot of like Southeast Asians living and a lot of African people living as well. So it's known to have that really mix of uh, culture okay. there. And I thought the film did a really good job of setting it there because you immediately go into this world of of having a mix of languages. There's a lot of people speaking um, not just China, not just Mandarin, 
because it's Hong Kong, but Cantonese as well. There's a lot of English used throughout the film. And then there's a lot of Hindi. I think they were speaking, uh, or it might be Urdu because they might be Pakistani. I think they were actually. And um, then you get, and the music as well becomes like kind of that, that uh, Southeast Asian music as well. And you just get this, uh, this mix. They really captures this city. That's not like an international city and a really mix of cultures and stuff. And, and by setting it chunking mansions, I think he, he captures that spirit of that kind of international city there as well. I loved it. So our our lovesick police officer kind of he meets her in a in a bar, doesn't he? And would just tries to chat her up, talking about his it's pineapples. The that best he's with. thing. It's the best. Best. <laughs> if if anyone came up to me in a bar and just said, "Do you like pineapple?" four times in four different languages, I'd be like, "Yep, yep. <laughs> we can go. We can definitely go home together. That's fine." Like. But I like he's... how she's not interested in talking to him in the slightest. But, but then persistent. it cuts to like Ron, and he's had about five drinks. She's had a three, and then the next <laughs> thing you know, they're in a hotel together. Yeah. They haven't done anything. He's just sitting watching films while she sleeps. Well, because he because... says when he when he he has the line saying that when I when he when she said I want to go home for a rest, I didn't I didn't literally think she meant to go for a rest. But... Yeah. <laughs> so she's where where had she actually been to? So she took a plane. Is it a plane or a? I Tra- no, she took a train. She took it? a train, didn't she? Yeah. So she to try and find out where where yeah. her money is or her drugs have gone or something. Yeah. It's it's very vague what happens. Like yeah, the story in this film is not really that important. It doesn't really matter. She's a drug runner. And... Yeah. She's she's basic. She's she's getting those because you had that bit when they're sewing drugs all inside of suits and bags and stuff like that, aren't you? And things and she's didn't you to feel get like that country. was like for me like that that room because it was like underground like hong kong it felt like there was that big glowing red background it felt like a furnace it's like where they're making like like i don't know i don't know if you got that vibe to it but it's like very this film is very sweaty it felt very it just it's, it had a really good capture of asia to me it really felt like hong kong in a way that i think sometimes you don't get it bustling from, and sweaty and yeah. busy and because a lot of a lot of films that you watch growing up that are set in Hong Kong are not filmed in Hong Kong. Like a ton of Jackie Chan films. No, Jackie Chan mainly is set there. That's wrong, actually. I'm thinking the reverse when they it sets it in New York and films in Hong Kong. <laughs> like, but quite oh, often, like, yeah, um, Rumble in the what's Bronx. What's the one where Br- Rumble in the Bronx? Yeah, yeah. 100%. I'm, I'm thinking the wrong way around. But yeah, quite often I don't think they set it in a way that kind of captures that kind of just frantic energy of the place like there's just people everywhere they're really busy they're doing stuff they're eating they're 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 working in tiny little shops and sitting on the streets doing stuff and things and there's all these you get this impression that it's this place where there were tons of people living their lives doing loads of stuff and i think he manages to capture that really well um well that's why i love those like chase sequences yeah where they kind of like they they slowed it. Well, no, they didn't slow it down, but they put it at like five frames a second. Or okay, I was going to ask you like what they So they cut loads. So they cut loads of frames out, basically, like just lengthen the frames out longer. So it's kind of got that weird. So it's like blurry but choppy. Yeah. all the lights are really frantic. extended, aren't they? And 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 all the all the street lights are blown out and yeah. stuff like that. And like the colours in this film, it's so saturated with colour, like the pinks and the blues and the oranges and that i just i thought it was visual it's like a visual treat to the eyes so so nice to look at and like even like the corner stores they go into look fantastic yeah Yeah, um, it's It's just the one they go into the circle k's yeah which are everywhere in Hong Kong. Like, he has that conversation with the guy, and he's asking for one like a can that's yeah because he's collecting on that day. Yeah, because he's collecting a can of 
pineapple every day through April because he's hoping his girlfriend's going to come back for his birthday, which is the, is the start of May. And he's just hoping that if she, if he gets all this pineapple together, his girlfriend will reappear and then she loves pineapple so she can have all this pineapple. And then when the guy at the shop just yells at him for being stupid, like pick any kind of fruit, he's like, do you have any idea how much work goes into making pineapple? And like starts yelling at the store clerk and the clerk's like, I don't care, take it all. Um, I don't mind. So he- you know when he's outside of the um, the fast food joint, is the Fei Wong character working behind the behind the counter then or not? No, is that the one a he different said girl at the original. Or is it a different girl? Yeah, it's a different girl at the start and Faye gets her job at the kind of middle point. Because I wasn't sure if they were like, if they if they were like in succession or if they were like at the same time. They I are kind of in succession. Sure. They are like, there's another girl working there and the guy and the, the guy that runs the fast food shop basically says, you should ask him her out before, you know, Johnny asks her out or something. Or I can't remember. But he, he also said. says later on in the thing, it's the second one that he's hired a girl called May. And I was like thinking, okay, is that meant to be the same May that the cops going out in the first story? Maybe, maybe, was, yeah, yeah. May, may, may. But, maybe, so maybe, this, maybe. Apparently he's, he's, he's got made a, up of, he's meant to be made up of three stories. Yeah, which he then made. So he cut film, one out, and then he made another film called Fallen Angels, which I think the guy who plays. How do you pronounce his name? Haiku, Haiku. <laughs> what did you say? Takeshi Kinsharos. Yeah. So he's in that film as well. Yeah. As a different character, obviously. I I think. I kind of wish I watched it now. All kind of, all the actors in this, he kind of works with a lot, really. They're kind of people that he keeps collaborating, collaborating with. Well, I think this film was, he made it within a few months. Well, he was. It was. I think he was shooting. Ashes, was it called? Ashes to yeah. Ashes, Ashes of Time, and ashes I think he time, just made yeah. it in like two months, just because he could. He did. He he was. I think he basically did what Steven um, Spielberg did with the Post. He was making oh, yeah, this just... other film, which was really big and bulky. So he just kind of, as a as a project of like relaxing, he just shot this other film, which which I'm just going to was... relax making a film with Meryl Streep and uh, Tom <laughs> yeah. Hanks. You know, no yeah. biggies, just. <laughs> Fuck around. Oh, just put a camera in a room. Yeah, it's fine. I'm Steven Spielberg. And he just basically did the same thing. He just like he had this other plot going around and he couldn't get the other film finished, so he just figured, you know, whatever, I'll shoot this and get it out. And this was actually the film that made him really more than the other one. Even though the other one it's, was great. Like it was just but this film really put him on the map. But you had some great moments like when the woman in the blonde wig. I don't think she actually has a name in the film, does she? No, she doesn't. And um, she like No, she, she doesn't know. She kidnaps the uh, the child out of that yeah, guy's. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then he's like demanding, you know, information from him and stuff. Demanding where just... her drugs went. Yeah. Yeah, and then and then she goes on a kind of killing spree. Yeah, I like the. That I was, was going to say Takeshi has a line that I really like when he's really sad and he says, "Um, we all get we all get our hearts broken, so I go jogging. You lose loads of water when you go jogging, so I can't cry afterwards." Cry. <laughs> yeah. I just was like, it's such that such that kind of sobby kind of like broken like broken but person it, stuff that like you really like when you really like when you go for like a breakup that kind of bullshit that kind of heart like kind of sobby stuff feels really important and like i like how that film kind of captures that almost they're all going through this kind of like depressed kind of broken heartedness and i love films I that like, kind of put love in that kind of like they make love the most important thing in the world and I like. Well, I like it when he it. goes for his run and it's literally pissing it down. So yeah. I don't know if there's some sort of visual metaphor yeah, yeah, there yeah, in yeah, terms yeah, of totally. like. Absolutely. 
So that's after he's spent the night with the woman in the wig, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, and, no, that, um, that's, that's, yeah, that's, he goes, yeah, because so what happens is he meets the girl in the wig, they go back together, she doesn't sleep with him, but they just spend the night together. He leaves, and before she, boy, before he leaves, he cleans her shoes. Oh, yeah, he, with his like, tie. <laughs> takes her shoes off and kind of just rubs the crap off them, which I thought was just trying to be like, he's a guy that cares about people it was almost like like she just saw that hang on this is a nice guy that cares about people he runs he goes jogging then and it's his birthday so he's hoping his girlfriend's gonna call and when she doesn't call he gets rid of his pager you remember he, he then taps well not his, for long <laughs> no but then it beeps and he runs back to it going oh my god and then it actually ends up being um oh does it end up being the that's yeah. what I was confused about. It ends Is up it the being, woman with the blonde wig? Yeah, the woman in the blonde wig messaged him happy birthday. And uh And then he and says because of that, I'll remember that I'll remember it for the rest of my life. Yeah, yeah, because it really just fills him with like that kind of joy that someone remembered yeah. his birthday and this and that he can move on. It's almost like he had that even though he didn't sleep with her, he had that kind of connection with someone and he he realizes to himself, I'm going to be okay because I can I can meet girls in bars and I can I can talk to people again. I don't have to I don't have to obsess with my ex girlfriend. And he goes back so with unlike... a new kind of thrill of life and goes back to the the um restaurant then. So unlike the other cop, the other cop's a beat cop, isn't he? But what's he? He's more like a I wouldn't say undercover cop, but he's oh yeah because so, yeah. you never see him in uniform that. do you no he's never in uniform he doesn't even have a uniform it doesn't it's kind of weird that he's a cop and she's a drug runner but it's not actually part of the plot at all like it, it doesn't it's, like, it's not like he's chasing her it's not like a sub story like that there's no connection with that elements at I was, all i was gonna say you get a massive blade runner vibe but that said is blade runner basically hong kong i was gonna say I mean? yeah it, yeah it's, it's, think... it's more the other way around isn't it yeah and then um, I was going to say that, you know, the bar that they're drinking in, uh, the blonde woman and him. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because there's yeah. the other bar, isn't there, where the English, the English or American guy works? Oh, yeah, yeah, the California. What was that about, by the way? Because he has another woman that works for him and he puts, he makes her put, or she puts on a blonde wig as well. I, I don't know what that was suggesting. So wasn't, I, I'm just guessing sure. he's clearly the drug boss and he has this group of girls that he abuses who run drugs for him i'm guessing and he likes them wearing blonde wigs i think guess so i think i think kind of what were you gonna say before i interrupted you yeah the bar they're drinking in is called the bottom bottoms up club no longer exists but it was a strip bar in um hong kong on the harbor and uh it was in uh the james bond film mammy the golden gun was shot there were scenes shot in there as well oh wow and uh, that's cool i like that connection it was cool i was thinking when uh when they were in that bar i didn't go to the bottom of, i think it closed years ago but when i was in hong kong with ben and wise we were um just in one of those tiny bars that you see in this film all the time kind of in like kind of they're all like open to the street they're all like kind of just yeah, yeah, yeah. big holes to the street and we were just sitting there drinking and and ben speaks mandarin and wise speaks a bit of mandarin and I speak zero of it. So they, <laughs> and they decided that I was going to buy the next round, but I had to order in in Mandarin. Oh, okay. And I think Cantonese is kind of the normal language there. But if you grew up in Hong Kong before the um, changeover, it's Mandarin. Yeah, yeah. Which 
it's interesting to note that Takeshi speaks to in his head in Mandarin in this film, but when he speaks out loud, he speaks in Cantonese. Oh, uh, okay. You wouldn't pick up, obviously, unless you knew them, but I yeah. thought that was kind of cool. And um, so we were sitting in the corner of this bar, and Ben was just constantly saying to me the order of what we wanted. I can't remember what it was. Like, I think it was like, I think we're drinking cocktails at that point, but I can't remember. And, well, um, it sounds like a thing you and Ben would be doing. Yeah, yeah. So. Like and like Long Island iced teas or something like that. It was. It wasn't anything fancy. And uh, Ben was just saying to me constantly in Mandarin. I was repeating it constantly and repeating it back and forth. And all the bar staff behind the behind the bar were wetting themselves. <laughs> the, the two like the two like waitresses and the the guy that was there was just laughing so hard. And then she came over, and I tried to repeat it out loud in my imperfect Mandarin. And she <laughs> and she just went yeah sure and like kind of giggled and walked off. And I just, I always think about that, like, you just imagine someone sitting in the corner of a bar, just continuously saying the most simple words, but fucking them up so badly, like... Yeah, but I think, I think they appreciate the effort, though. Oh, they just found it funny, I, I think we were so drunk, and then they decided I was going to have to order the bill, so it was the same thing of me just repeating constantly, can I have the bill please, in the corner of the room, and just the people behind the bar laughing. So she came over, and I said it, and she just went, she just laughed. And gave me the bill because she already knew that I, that's what I wanted. They've been listening to us for about like 10 minutes. And she just went, you're very cute. And then walked off. And <laughs> I felt like, very I'm, good I'm about terrib- myself. Like. I'm terrible at other languages. And I, I blame the British school system for that. Because we don't start learning a foreign language until we're like 12 or 13. And it's like, <laughs> it's too late to teach people <laughs> other languages. Because it needs to be so much earlier. I'm terrible at languages. I love them though. I'm jealous of I anyone that can speak more than one. <laughs> I, I I love. I do. I have a passion for them in a way that I I think they're really interesting. In fact, like, and I love people who can speak multiple languages, but I can't. You know, I find German the easy, easiest one to remember because a lot of it's very similar to English words. Uh, I'm better than French, in German I f- than I am French. I, I French I find French, but... a lot harder, but the the masculine and feminism feminines side of things and the way the structure of the words go just completely like just <laughs> I can't gives me a brain fart I can I can talk in German more um I can't reply in French very well like I can hear French right. and kind of know what people are saying to me I've got I've got that in my head but I can't can't speak it very well so every time I'm in France I'm just like a mute like <laughs> I kind of can understand the question and I'm like I can't think of how to respond to this I think, was it? Ich heiße Oliver Jones. Oh, fuck. I can't remember now. Was it? <laughs> what is it? No. I don't know. All I remember, in der Nähe von Birmingham, which was, I all I remember being able to say, my name is Oliver Jones. I live in Sutton Coalfield, which is near Birmingham. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't even remember it. And never mind. Uh, it's just many anyway. Ramst- it's just many Ramstein lyrics now, I think. Like, oh, yeah. Du, du hast. Du hast. Anyway, um, that so, was my So the detour. second story. So the yeah, second so it, story it folds in really well. Yeah, you go. Because she, but he bumped yeah. into her, into what's her name? Faye. Sorry, uh, Faye Wong, who yeah. is like she's like a real famous musician. Musician, isn't she's she? Singer, or yeah. singer? I think you can kind of tell that in this film. She's um, she's not. She's got that great. cool vibe around. Her. Yeah, she's a bit less fluid than the other actors in this yeah but you know she won awards for she won awards for this did she yeah yeah. i wasn't saying she was bad i think i just think you can tell she's not she's doing it 
for the she's hundred percent the original pixie dream girl i was gonna say she's a manic pixie dream girl yeah, yeah uh, that's one of the good. notes i wrote down she's a manic pixie dream girl however she's not as bad as is elizabeth town because she does have motivation herself she 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 does have a drive to kind of better herself she wants to travel she wants to see other things she wants to get better jobs she's not just she doesn't solely exist just to look after tony lung like she's not quite elizabeth town but she's definitely Can't... she's a bit closer to manic pixie dream girl than it that's come so so the plot of this one is there's another cop who's yeah. played by tony lung tony lung who's fucking yeah. amazing yeah Oh, who was he in Crouching Tiger, or was he in Hero? No, wasn't it? No, he was either in Hero or House of Flying Daggers. He's I think both of the male stars in this have been in either Hero or House Tony, of Flying Dragons. Tony Lung, Tony Lung was in a Hero, and he was in yeah. um, an Ang Lee film called Lust Caution. Okay, which so he's he's another police officer. Film. He also yeah. eats at the same. Same fast food restaurant, uh, yeah. But eats in the daytime, I think, isn't it? Oh no, he goes at night, doesn't no, he? he goes to pick up his order for his girlfriend. Yeah, he always picks. Who, the same his thing. girlfriend? May I say, is gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> the flight attendant. So, she clearly she breaks up with him via a, a letter that she hands to the fast food restaurant. Yeah, because she knows he frequents it, which is a bullshit fucking the, thing. I know, and leaves the keys with with them. That's that's not they a way you break up with there. anybody. Yeah, they yeah. all read it like immediately. He steams then, it open, doesn't he, on the um on the cooking. Yeah. Well I thought it was gonna be the girl at first when who's steaming it, but it was It's the, the uncle. old man who I don't owns think he has the, a name, the, the uncle. Um But Tony Tony Lung is it Lung Leung Leung, sorry. I don't know if you he, know, I don't know if you pronounce the G. I don't think it's a hard G, but I, I I'm no so, expert then. She go. She tells him, "We have a letter for you from your girlfriend or a flight attendant." Uh, but he refuses. I'll get it later. I'm sorry, but who does that? Surely well, he knows what like, it no. says, doesn't he? He knows it's a breakup letter. I think. Yeah, they, I, I think he... he already knows they're breaking up. He just. She had to write it down in a letter to kind of make it clear to him because he was refusing okay. to kind of believe it. Like he was still kind of getting her food, even though she was like, "Look, I'm broken up with you." So I think the letter was kind right. of her making it clear, really. Can I, just to backtrack a bit, in my head of watching films and no, like, so say you watch Pulp Fiction and all the stories kind of wrap up and tie up in various different ways, even if it's out of order, they all kind of work out. I was kind of expecting the same with this because I wasn't, I didn't realise it was made up of two stories. So I thought, okay, the first story will have some payoff Oh, okay. Later on in the film, I didn't realise it was two stories and that was it. That yeah, yeah. Were separate to each other. They're two also, stories the about first story, Yeah. The first story is about half an hour. Yeah, it's much shorter. 35 minutes. Well, the yeah. other one is over an hour long. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was weird bal- and balanced, but it, it didn't bother me that much. I just thought it was noticeable. But, um, yeah. So anyway, so he refuses the letter to take the letter. Which gives um, the girl then opportunity to kind of yeah, Faye they bump into it. each other, and he says, "Oh, maybe you should come round one day." Yeah, they're flirting, kind of. Yeah. Well, he's he's basically a big grump. He's not really flirting with anyone. He's a big. He's really yeah. depressed. He's it, like he's he he describes well, the world as being kind of he see he doesn't see color, does he? He doesn't see change. He says he just sees this kind of dullness to the world and. 
Well, this story is definitely more desaturated than the first yeah. half, yeah. I think. But and he's like talking to his raggedy like uh, dishcloth. Yeah, I love those scenes so much and, when he's, and he's emoting talking to, to his the... soap, going like, because yeah. his soap has gotten thinner. He's like, you need to look after yeah. yourself. You need to look after yourself. yourself. You're looking thinner. Yeah, yeah. What was he saying so, about the towel? He's, I think it's when he's getting better though. I think I've wrote it's it like down. when it's dripping. He knows yeah, it's upset. He it says you're like crying. That. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. He's, when um when he floods the apartment later, well, she floods the apartment later. He says uh, he has such a. She great obviously line does that by him. accident. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes um. Uh, when I've been crying a lot too, because he's emoting to his apartment. But when I cry, it's a lot easier to mop up. When an apartment cries, it's a much bigger mess. <laughs> I, was like, I love that so much. So, do you think she actually fancied him or liked him, or was she just was she just going in there to try and cheer him up in some bizarre way? I think because... it's meant to be a two thing. She's clearly going in to try and make his life happier. She's tidying up around him. She's doing a bit of redecorating. She's trying to kind of spark yeah. something in him i think she does really fancy him i think she that's the whole point is she kind of saw something in him when he comments on her music which they play that song a bit too much but oh um well it's probably a budgetary thing maybe because yeah. <laughs> like it's probably expensive song to license which yeah. was what is it it's mamas and the poppers mamas and poppers um, california dreaming isn't it california dreaming yeah, yeah. but did I you think... know there's a there's a scene when she's like in his apartment and uh there's a, a cranberry song playing, and I've forgotten what song. Yeah, it yeah, is. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but it's actually her do, singing do, it. Is that a song from Dumb and Dumber? Uh, is cranberries in it? Well, the Dumb and Dumber soundtrack. I didn't know. It was, I really. Like, is, it, it is. A... It's dreams by the cranberries, and dreams, so, yeah. um, Faye Wong sings that cover. That's cool. I didn't know it was her singing, because it's in it. The lyrics are slightly different, but it's in Cantonese, isn't it? I yeah. thought it was a really nice cover. I did really like it. Yeah, she's kind of... I think she finds out that his ex was a flight attendant as well, and that's, like, magical to her. That's kind of, like, um, aspirational, because it's someone you can get out of this little kind of cafe and, and get out of Hong Kong and see the world a bit. And I think she, she really wants to see the world. You know, she wants to see America. Do you think that's what spurs her to becoming, like, a attendant i think it's meant to be yeah i think because when she she's she's in her she's in his apartment she's looking at like the old the outfit that she left and stuff like that well she wears it as well doesn't she she? wears it yeah so i think i think it's a bit of like whilst it's a little bit she's spending so much of her life trying to make him feel better which is really that manic pixie dream girl stuff i think she does have her own agenda and she's really just trying to find a way out of her life you know she 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 wants something as well and she likes playing this kind of um uh she like this uh oh my brain died she likes playing this kind of makeup of of being a flight attendant herself and and living a different life i think it's part of it as well but yeah she's going in and she's kind of she's feeding the plants isn't she and getting her new plants and rechanging the uh bedding and cleaning his clothes and painting the walls and stuff like that of his apartment and he's not noticing anything at all because he's such a grouch basically and then when he starts noticing things he thinks it's him getting better not yeah, she's yeah. doing anything he thinks oh i'm actually yeah i'm getting through this depression because nothing everything doesn't look so depressed to me anymore everything looks nicer when actually it's well a my soap change. is fuller my, yeah, my, my dishcloth is now yeah. fixed itself yeah yeah and the fish are looking um, healthy and so i was looking just looking at the cinematographer on this film and there's two of them okay 
So, so you've is got that for Christopher each part, Doyle. Maybe I don't know. So you've got Christopher Doyle, who is an Australian Hong Kong cinematographer. Okay. And so, so he he's he did Ashes of Time, as well with um, Wong Kar Wai, but he also did uh, Psycho, the Gus Van Sant remake. Oh wow. He did Hero. He did uh, Twenty Forty Six, which is the actual only other Wong Kar Wai film I've actually seen. Uh, he did Dumplings. I don't know if you've seen that one. No, I haven't. Uh, what else did he, he did? I was going to say he did Tormented, but it's not the Tormented I worked on. <laughs> Different one. <laughs> um, yeah, and then the other one is called Andrew Lau, and he's done... Let's see what he's done. He looks like he's just done a lot of... He did in, Infernal Affairs, one, I, two, I was, and Yeah, three. I was going to say that about Tony Lung. He's, oh, he's he co-directed those as well. Which is obviously then... My, Infernal Affairs is the Hong Kong film that ends up becoming The Departed in America. That's the inspiration yeah, so he, for that. So it looks like he's done a lot of Hong Kong-based films, really. There is on the Blu-ray I've got, it's actually got a whole feature, like a 20-minute long documentary about the locations, which I should have watched, really, but um, just talking about all the various locations and how they use like, the natural lighting in there. And stuff cool. Like you can really but, tell yeah. it. The scenes that she... when my, One of my favourite scenes in the film is when she's dragging the onions through the streets of Hong Kong and bumps into him and he's eating just some noodles or something at the um oh yeah, at the yeah. kind of the the little restaurant and then she he kind of picks the the bag up for her and carries this huge 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 like like basket of onions and i really like she's like clinging onto it with like one finger in a kind of like <laughs> embarrassed I'm that, helping yeah but her kind of like little bit clinging onto him and i just thought it was a really cute little moment of like like a meet cute in a film without really putting much emphasis on it. Like there's a lot yeah. of like love there and a lot of that kind of stuff there, without kind well, of. I like the moments where she's, much. where she's in his apartment, and um, so he's going up on the escalator and stuff like that, and she's calling out to him or throwing paper airplanes or something, and like he's noticing them, but she manages to hide. I don't know how she manages to hide herself in the apartment when he's actually looking around. <laughs> she hides. She's in, just behind him. She hides in like <laughs> a just... duvet, yeah, or something on the floor. <laughs> like, like... Okay, he's not a very good cop. No, he's not. When he's depressed, he doesn't. He doesn't it's think true, of anything. That's true. He's very. He's just very emotional man. Like he just really, really like wears his heart on his on his sleeve, like. I like as well that she's so busy doing all this that she keeps she forgets to pay the electricity bill. Yeah, she's fucking up a job. Yeah, she's and then they're like yeah. having to get all candles around. And they start singing Happy Birthday. <laughs> I love the the um, cooks in it. Again, yeah, like yeah. multicultural, it wasn't all just Chinese people. Like there was Indian people working there yeah, as well yeah, and yeah. stuff. And and uh, I just the whole feeling of that like it really brought back Hong Kong to me because like when you're there, just going to these little street cafes and stuff like that, it really managed to capture that in a way that I, I appreciated, I guess, is what I'm saying. I would I would love to go there one day. It would be amazing. I'd love to go back, did, yeah. Didn't you actually see some of the locations in the film you think you recognised from when you went? Oh, definitely. The Where I stayed was just around the corner to Chungking Mansions. Um, oh, wow. So I, I would walk past this a lot without knowing it was in anything. And just... And this, the just the streets and stuff like that. It just it all looks like Hong Kong, like it really does. So when it says chunking mansions in my head, when I hear mansions, I'm thinking you know, stately home, remains no. of a day style mansion. So it's not. It's more like a high rise, just massive high rise, like apartment blocks. That's but it's, it. There, yeah, and with like it's multi use though. There's cafes at the bottom. There's 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 shops oh, in it, okay. like 
and mm-hmm. and the, then there's living spaces and working spaces as well there'll be tailors and stuff like that in it it's all like just everything multi-use in there kind of thing it is cool though when you see real life locations from films because yeah. when i went to paris well like we were just walking around me and caroline and we we're like i was like i recognize this and then we found out we were actually Statue in the of area Liberty. from no inception Statue of Liberty. Where, uh, <laughs> i mean the eiffel tower <laughs> no the um the, the the cafe from Inception when he's like talking to uh, Ellen Page and like stuff and I was like is that no the cafe way, from right? Batman as well? No, oh. <laughs> that's in Italy, isn't it, or something? Oh, it is isn't it because he's drinking Ferrero Branca, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. I got to. And then when I went to New York, obviously I went to all the Ghostbusters locations purposefully, but I remember walking around my cousin. When you say all of them, do you just mean the firehouse and the library? Oh no, I went. I dragged Caroline to places that were just in the film for like two seconds. Like, just you know, because the they were fountain. shot in New York. <laughs> yeah, you know the water fountain that that it, where, yeah, it, where yeah. Peter Vakeman meets uh, Dana. I went there just because it was in the film. That's by the but, art um, gallery, isn't it? Yeah, it's the oh Christ, I forgot what the name of modern the art gallery is. Now. Whatever it's called. No, I could look through my Instagram, but it's going to take ages because I no. did the. I've got a video of me doing the little skippy dance that Peter does. <laughs> Nowhere near as good as uh, Bill Murray, though. But um, <laughs> yeah, and then also walking around with my cousin, she was like, "Oh, Men in Black was filmed. That was the headquarters of Men in Black." And I was like, "Bloody shit!" <laughs> and then, then in the uh, to people that live in New York, district, this is just boring. I know. And then the Bank Districts area, I was like, "Is this where the end battle of the Dark Knight Rises was?" She says, oh yeah. I was like, <laughs> and the bit where Bane escapes out of the building and he's oh yeah, yeah. And stuff like that. I didn't think um, that was Also, in New York. did you know the Ghostbusters firehouse is is the same in the it's used in the mask and it's the mechanics in the mask where he shoves sure. the exhaust at the guy. I think I did know assholes. that. Yeah, you can tell though. Anyway, and I, I, and I liked it when we were watching Ready Player One and Digbeth appears at the end in this post-apocalyptic oh, world. They were here for so long. They were here for at least two weeks because yeah, I went yeah. to go and watch the filming. And it's hardly in the film, so I yeah, don't no, know so what funny. the hell. And it's just, it, what really made me laugh is it's the same locations you always choose to shoot stuff. So it's oh, like, yeah, yeah it's like, hang on, they're copying Ollie video, here. Like. In my Prodigy video, you'll see locations from, that's in Ready Player One, weird. But yeah, so any other thoughts on this film? Um. Well, we'll, we'll get to the end of the film first, because it's quite interesting that she then... They go on a date to California, the restaurant. Oh, and then she doesn't turn up. She does turn up early, but then she oh, basically okay. she kind of then decides she's not ready to stay in Hong Kong. She's not ready okay. to get into a relationship because she she doesn't want to be here. So then she basically fucks off and gives him a boarding pass, doesn't she? She writes a fake like a hand drawn one. Yeah, yeah, just saying like meet me in a year, and then a year goes by and she comes back. And she's sitting in that restaurant kind of hoping that he'll appear. He doesn't know that this is the agreement. But like, um, she then disappointedly starts just wandering home and goes to her old, uh, old uh, restaurant, the old like fast food place. And he's now bought it and he's now in it, re- renovating it. And at that point, basically, you get the impression that he's doing much better. They still fancy each other. And she draws him another boarding pass to say like, you know, yeah, and he goes like, she goes, where do you want to go? And he's like, wherever you're going. And he's like, oh, oh. So I liked, I liked the final scene with his ex girlfriend though in the the same. Oh, I love that scene. Corner yeah, yeah, yeah. shop as the 
the guy was looking for the pineapples. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I uh, love that so much. That was a great little scene. It was because it's that it was that moment of him meeting his ex, this woman that he's been pining over, like just just taking over his whole life. And during that little scene, he realizes that oh god, I'm over her. She's she's really fucking annoying. Or or actually, I can talk to her, not pine over it. It's that kind of scene of just oh, I'm fine. I'm okay with this. So, and... so you know when she's in his apartment, the other girl like cleaning it up, like bringing the. She brings like uh, fish to put in his fish tank. So God knows how many fish are in his fish tank now. She, I don't know how he doesn't notice that his polar bear is now a giant Garfield. No, I know it's silly. That's it's bizarre. Silly. Yeah, yeah, but um, I like that she changes the, the sardines. Day, she changes the sardines to better sardines. Puts the old yeah, labels yeah, yeah. on, it. and just then puts when he's the labels on, yeah, and when he's eating the sardines, he's like, God, even these taste better. Like, <laughs> I am, I'm, I'm, but, I'm getting good. So does his ex girlfriend call her, up, call up, and leave a message? Yes, and she deletes it. Yeah. yeah. What What's she saying on the message? I can't, I can't remember. remember what it says. Actually, I didn't write it down. I can't remember. What she was says. it insinuating? Do you want to get back together or meet me or something like that? I don't think it was a get back together thing. I don't think it was. Or was it collect my stuff? I don't know. Well, because she asked, he says, "Do you want to collect your stuff?" And she was like, "No, throw it out." I throw it out. Yeah. Or don't need it. Yeah, I don't need it. I think it was a. I think you get the impression that she thinks it was a message that he, if he listened to it, he would obsess over it call her and then get and then get more depressed kind of thing like right and he she was just making sure that no you don't have any contact with her you need to just break it off and you just need to get on with your life kind of thing and i think that was the innuation from from Faye. Okay. But i love that she in the in the little cat she's like oh you get my bill and he kind of t- tony lung turns around with this kind of god yeah she's kind of annoying and then still pays for her drinks but I like that you see that kind of progression of him getting over this relationship. That's a bit it's a bit fantasy. It's a bit kind of, you know, romantically written, but it's a film for romantics. It's a romantic film and you know, I I love I love a, I love the emotion of um somebody that uh that stupidity of holding onto something that has already gone out of your life and that's what both the characters are doing that they're they're unable to kind of let go of something they obsessing kind of holding on to yeah. it i mean we've all been there we've all yeah yeah we've all it, had it gets that, that really well yeah and then it and then it shows that the pain of that breakup will pass it will go away yeah. even though the film makes it very clear it doesn't diminish it it says that yes this exists and you will go through this crap and i thought that was nice i thought like i don't think i often see that in breakup films really I think it's a film that will definitely... Like, don't get me wrong, I really, really enjoyed it. But because I was when I was watching it the first time, I was expecting some sort of payoff with the first story maybe mm. coming back towards the second. I mean, clearly as I was watching it, I realised that wasn't yeah, going to happen. Yeah, sure. You got the beats like, of the film. Like. But I think it's definitely a film... Like There'll be definitely some hidden like little moments or things that I wouldn't have noticed on the first viewing that I think yeah. will really like enrich it on a... Yeah, second, third, or fourth viewing, which I think I'll definitely do. Like, I think I, I like that. A... I, l- I like that he starts noticing things that he took for granted, like he starts noticing things in the apartment that he never saw before. And I just, I like that he thinks, it, for him, it's all personal. There is actually a physical thing that's changed, but for him, he thinks, oh yeah, I'm not taking life for granted anymore. I'm, everything's looking up and everything's looking good. And I like that what physically. The... Physically showing that in the film is kind of fun. What was the picture she put on the dressing table mirror? Like I... it was a child, and I don't I think know it, if it is was. Is it just meant to be a picture of him when he's young? I think. Is that what it is? I think so. Yeah. 
I think he's just okay. she's just like decorating his apartment. I think she's ta- is, doesn't she take away pictures of her? Maybe, maybe. It like it reminded me of my friend Nick who lives in Hong Kong. He showed me his apartment. I because I, I didn't believe how small they were, mm. but because obviously there's so many people living in such a you know this space in that space. That, I think they like, actually shot, so tiny. I think they shot in one of maybe the maybe the producer's house. I think they were shooting in. I think I read oh, okay. that. I wonder, what the budget, I wonder if it was a low budget. It must have been a low budget film then. Yeah, I think so. I don't know if I can find the budget anywhere actually, because it's. I know it. I mean, there's 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 no sets. It looks like it's all shot in real apartments. You know, real bars. Real, yeah. You know, lo- real locations. Real locations, and it must have been. I think it was. It must have been a small budget film because it wasn't, as you're saying. He did it basically in between doing other, another project basically. But he won, Tony Lung won the Golden Horse that year for Best Actor. The Golden Horse is like Chinese, the Chinese um, Film Awards. But also Mm -hmm. in the Hong Kong Film Awards, it won Best Picture, it won Best Director, it won Best Actor for Tony Lung, it won Best Editing, like it, and it got nominated for a ton of stuff. It got nominated for a ton of other things that didn't win. It absolutely dominated the Hong Kong Film Awards that year and uh, really, really did set Wong Kar Wai up to have a huge career really which he ended up doing so so Tarantino really championed this film didn't he I I think he I don't know if it was a production company or a distribution company but he definitely helped put it out into the I think it was distributed by Miramax in the the wider world didn't it that would make sense and uh, yeah because on my Blu-ray it's got an introduction by him which I sent you a video of the other day (laughs) because I love him as a filmmaker but I find him so so grating as a human being yeah, I think that's yeah. Is it, but my favorite thing about him that he does champion films. I like that about yeah, him. Yeah, exactly. He, and he have you seen film. that he's been um he's been reviewing films, like for just a, for just like a ah oh, I wish I I could pull it up now. I'll have to pull it up Do- to get the information right. But it, he's been doing it, and no one's realised that Quentin Tarantino is writing a ton of reviews on this little website. The about one thing films. I do like about him, even though when he, he talks, he talks a lot about films, and he's t- this director, that director, this film, the films you haven't heard of. He doesn't do it in a way that's talking down to you, going, "Well, why haven't you seen this film? You should yeah. see this film." He just likes it's to just try and he encourage you. Loves films, yeah. and he's like. And, you know, I, I don't know how he had the time to watch all these films, but I guess when you're a, one of the world's biggest film directors, you can actually afford the time to sit down in between your films. And <laughs> well, he, just, doesn't, uh, he doesn't work that much every five years or so, isn't it? Like, true. Well, so what's he got? He's got one film left, I think. In his, uh... There's loads of stuff that's always coming out about Tarantino that he wanted to do a, um, uh, a Marvel film. That came out today. You'll never do one of them. He wanted to do a Star Trek film as well. Um, he finally did his Manson oh. film. So, but well, I don't... his Manson film with 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 Manson in one scene, and he said, "Yeah, but that's word. what he wanted to do." So <laughs> fine, like, but he was talking about that for years, saying he wanted to do a Manson film. So, and it's he's one of those weird guys. It's like the scene, like he's the Stephen King of filmmaking. Is that he needs an like he needs an editor. To kind of really rein well, his original editor, like, his original editor who worked on his films up until maybe Inglorious Bastards. I think it is. She died, didn't she? She died. Yeah, yeah. And um, she was like so important to his in his yeah. <clears throat> in his films and like how they were put together, and they've just become a lot baggier now. Yeah, 
Baggy is the right word. There's, it was like the stuff like in the um, fake film they're making in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and those scenes just went on forever. And I'm like, I, I got the point. I've got, I know what you're doing with this. Like, I'm, I'm done. Yeah. But it's not just that. It's, did... it's, it's the fact that every scene is baggy. That like, none of it is tightly edited. Every scene is a little yeah. too long. Then that ends up making a four-hour film, basically. I did love that scene though with. Um... Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, and he knows he's done a good job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and like, just the pride on his face, that, like, on his face, is amazing. But anyway, so going back to Chunking Express, I just wanted to say he's letter- been re- he's been reviewing films on the new Beverly Cinema website, um, uh, and he's reviewing mainly westerns and Hong Kong films and stuff like that. But no one has realised that he's been just for months and months and months reviewing a lot of films. So it's is kind that of a cool reason. Owns? Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But he's well, just been putting sense. up these huge <laughs> articles about films and no one's noticed it. It's kind of cool. He, he he writes about a lot of films I've never heard of, so I'll probably be going through them and trying to watch a few of them. A friend of mine, I think, was a, was a projectionist at his cinema. Oh, cool. Called Donica. So if you ever listen to this, Donica. Hello. Hello. <laughs> do they still project in film? I'm guessing they do. There they do, yeah, because yeah. he's all about that. Because it's it? Quentin Tarantino, yeah. yeah. Did you know Netflix put out like they did an episodic version of Hateful Eight, which was, I think, the cut down version of his extended seventy millimeter version that was like a roadshow version of. Okay. And it was like twenty minutes longer than the theatrical one, and then they put it on Netflix as like an episodic thing, but I, I can't find that. it on there now. So huh, weird. It must have disappeared. But anyway, anyway you're on you're on Letterbox. <laughs> what are you gonna give Chunking Express out of? I'm a hopeless romantic, and this film is like a five star for me. This is what I want to watch in films. I, I love this kind of stuff. I, I live for this kind of stuff. So, this so it's four and a half for me, but it could go up to a five on rewatches because I think there's more to discover from it. Yeah, and totally. I'm looking forward to, to watching it's always, more of it. It's always a little difficult, like watching films with subtitles. I think you like you. I always get stuff out of a rewatch because I will have missed stuff and you miss kind of you miss a bit of performance not trying to be and understand the language so well the way people say stuff the the intonation of where they're saying it and stuff like that I think you do lose a little bit though I think uh, Cantonese or, or Mandarin I think it is quite expressive as a language I think you can hear stuff in the language even if you can't yeah yeah understand the words they're saying like the way they can drag out words sometimes or or the sounds like the sound of a word or can tell you a little bit about the emotion between it so i think it's i think with foreign films it's always worth watching a couple of times i definitely want to watch fallen angels to see how it complements it or how it would be in like the third act yeah even though that itself is two stories as well and i'm interested to watch his film the grandmaster because i think it's another telling of like the it man yeah i love the it man film so it'd be interesting to see what he did with it i don't really see the reason to do it that's the. I think I remember about coming out, and I was like, "Well, we've we know we've got the we've got the Itman films. Why do we need another guy telling the same stories?" But I, I mean, shout I want to see to my Scott, Blueberry who's, Nights. So. Shout out to Scott, who I think is in Itman Four. I think is he? That, is that coming out so. soon? I think that's coming out soon. So, let's have a look. Uh, yes, yeah, Scott's in that. Yeah, with Donnie Yen. Nice, good old Donnie Yen. That uh, oh, it came out on the twentieth of December two thousand nineteen. <laughs> okay so yeah definitely want to try and get scott on this i think he'd be great to have on here so. yeah it was i was a little bit wrong chunking wasn't his first film i think i've been saying it's his first film but it's the uh, what i meant is his first film that really 
cemented him as kind of this new wave of Hong Kong cinema, this kind of really voice of Hong Kong coming out of the 90s. That's kind of what I meant. Yeah, because so, the film he was making before this, I think, came out after it. Yeah, Ashes of Time came out of afterwards. But as, that Tears, was like a... as Tears Go By was his first film, and that was he was at the time compared to Martin Scorsese. Everyone was like, so, this is a lot like Mean Streets. And... So the... Uh, I don't know, what was it called? Uh... So Ashes of Time, is it, that's like a historical one, but it's yeah. like got four or five stories, I think. Yeah. So I don't know whether or not they cross over or if they're just like separate stories. I'm not I'm not sure. I don't know. I, I, I don't know Wong Kar Wai that well. I did, I've always, I know his name more than I've seen his films, which is weird enough. I've um, seen... So I must, I must 20th, really get into them. I've only seen 2046, and it was one of those ones where you're up at about two in the morning, and right. it's, on, it's on film four. I've and the seen, only thing I remember um, is that it's kind of set over Christmas. Oh, okay. And um, isn't it? I think it might be about a breakup. No, it's about um, someone. It's about someone's having an affair or the end of an affair. And it's got a few like science fictiony elements and stuff like that going on. I've saw um, Happy Together, which is this nineteen ninety seven film, which also stars Tony okay. Young. About I just love Tony okay. Young, so I'll go everywhere. But it's about it's another romance film, and uh, okay. And that was quite a big film at the time. That's the only other one I've seen. So I'm definitely be diving in to watch more of his films, really. Yeah, 100%. He hasn't done anything, though, for a good for a seven, while, yeah. eight years. Yeah. So hopefully he'll be hopefully. rocking the scene again. Yeah, maybe he's coming up with something right now. Probably. I'll tweet him. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> so um, for a game this week, it was a little more difficult to come up with anything. Okay. Um, but I was just thinking, I think you'll be able to get this really easy, and this is why I'm interested in it. But I figured okay. we'll just take a page out of blank check and do the box office game. But okay. we'll just we'll just do it for 1994 rather than the release okay. date of this because I think it came out in 97 in America and who knows what. Like so, so we'll just do like the top grossing films this year. Okay. Um, shall we just do top five because it might take a long time to do the others? I don't mind. You can do top ten. Okay, we can do top ten. I think you'll get them all really easy. I do. Okay. So I think they're all well-known films, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For this year. So number ten is. We've talked about it a hell of a lot during this episode. A lot. We've talked about the director continuously during this episode. It's a, it's made up of multiple stories, intertwined. Pulp Fiction. Yes. Um, number nine. We've also mentioned this this episode. It was released by New Line. It starred an actor who had his year this year. <laughs> Is it Dumb and Dumber? No. The Mask. The Mask. Number eight. Um, action film. Uh, released by 20th Century Fox. Um, it was kind of these... It made these two... It made these two actors who lead this film. It kind of really cemented them as like stars... Directed by a foreign director doing an American film. Uh, is that director Jean de Bont? It is Jean de Bont, yeah. <laughs> is it Speed? It is Speed. I'd say Keanu Reeves was a big star before that film, though. I just, I just kind of meant that him and Sandra Bullock really get cemented at, the, at that film. It really makes them into they can be in anything. And 
that's the kind of impression I got from it anyway. Um, the next one, I don't like this film. Uh, okay. That's not a hint to you. I won't help you at all. Uh, it's <laughs> it's one of the weirdest franchises that exist in films in the fact that there really is no continuity to the franchise and people don't really follow it as a franchise. Like multiple, multiple actors have played this character. Uh, it's based on a series of books. Uh, I think this was the second time this actor was playing this character, but it might be the third time it's on film. It might be the f- actually it might be the first time he's playing this character, but it's the second uh, time. It's on does film. it have any connection to an Alec? But not Alec. Yeah, Alec Baldwin. Yes, it does. Yeah. Uh, is what's the one? He's the actor. Think of the films that Harrison Ford did. Yeah. But it's the Tom Clancy one. No. Yes, it it's is. Tom Clancy. Yeah. Jack. Jack Ryan. Jack Ryan. Yeah. Clear present danger. That's right. Is it that one? Yes. It is. What's the other one? I can't, I can't remember them, dude. Is it? But they are weird. I wasn't wrong in that description. They're weird franchises that no one cares about. Like, Patriot no one's that excited games. when their new Jack Ryan comes out. Yeah. But they well, come the, out the, all the time. The show's doing well, isn't it? On Amazon? I forgot they existed. With John Krasinski yeah. in it, yeah. Yeah. Who's doing his, um, what is it? He's doing, like, good news or something like that. He's got like oh, a YouTube thing now yes. where he's doing news that will make you happy. <laughs> I'll see about so anyway, that. Anyway, next. <laughs> uh, number six, uh, we've talked about this. It was released by New Line. It was the actor doing his biggest year ever. So is this one Dumb and Dumber? It is. This one's Dumb and Dumber. I thought Mask would have made more than Dumb and Dumber. Uh, I think Mask made more worldwide. I'm just doing domestic, so I'm just doing American. Ah, uh, okay, okay. Um. Okay, number five. This film is shit. This film made <laughs> a fuckload of money. This film was released by Universal. Um, it was an ensemble cast. It was based on a TV property, which itself was based on a TV property. Um. It was. The actor kind of was just the the main lead of this the main guy is perfectly placed to play this character he was kind of making a progression from tv to film at that point even though he had been in a number of films before this is one his first by far but he was having this this progression out of sitcom acting into film i know i know i know it was it produced by steven spielrock it was it was it was <laughs> the b50 no bc52 BC did the soundtrack <laughs> yeah the Flintstones. The Flintstones. Don't you think Rick Morales is horribly cast in that film? I don't yeah, see him as Barney a... at all. Yeah, he's an odd Barney. But I do love, I do love Rick Morales, and I'm oh, glad like he's him. coming just... back. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, you can't argue with um, John Goodman's casting as. No, like for the second one, they got that English actor called Mark Addy. I mean, what a step down. <laughs> Get the kids. Then... What's the line from Game of Thrones? The. Uh... And the it, chest stretcher or something, the armor stretcher. What does he call it, though? Like? I can't remember. The best line. But then you have, um, oh yeah, Mark Addy's the the king, isn't it? Yeah, 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 isn't he? King Brown. And then um, Stephen Baldwin is uh, Barney in that one. <laughs> yes, yes. And they have the little, um, the little Martian. I oh, do they. I've never seen the second one. Who is not Mister Mixoplit? He's that little green little alien that flies around. Anyway. 
I'd never seen the second one at all. That I can't. It made so much money that film did, and it's a pile of shit. <laughs> it's really bad. It doesn't. It doesn't like. It doesn't do the Flintstones any justice. It's not I like smart it or satirical or. It was the year after Jurassic Park, and it was like we've got di- CG dinosaurs again. Yeah. And I yeah. reckon people. Yeah. Are like, yep. I want to see more CG dinosaurs. Well, you just get you get this period where they were really desperate to find a franchise, and they just they're just adapting anything. Before the kind of comic books come forth, they're just adapting anything that exists. Like, well, you know, people who like the Flintstones are now thirty, so we'll do this film. Like, it's a weird cat, isn't it? Got is it Kyle Chandler? No, Kyle MacLachlan is like the villain, in it. and the he's villain, like head yeah. off the heels of being in like um, all the Lynch films and uh, yeah. Twin Peaks. Paddy Belly was in it as well. Oh yeah, that was like one of her first roles, yeah. I think. Anyway, uh, Rosie O'Donnell though. Oh god, that kind of good casting. I don't think she was a good Betty Rubble. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> go on. What's next? Uh, number four is another. It's a Walt Disney film. It's another sitcom star who's making that kind of push to be um, a film star as well. Uh, I could do uh, two noises from his sitcom, and you would know exactly what sitcom it is in immediately. Is it Tim Hallen? Yes. <laughs> oh. Not the Santa Claus. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, the okay. Santa Claus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep, exactly. I knew you'd know the fucking noises in a fucking second. Third film is uh, 20th Century Fox. It was teaming up the biggest action director in the fucking world with the biggest action star in the fucking world. Reunion, actually. Um, oh, true lies! Come true on. lies, yeah. I need to watch that again to see if it's actually any good. I watched it re- fairly recently. Well, last few years. It's I know good. there's a very bizarre scene with Jamie Lee Curtis doing a dance, and it's like got. It's such a. It's a great scene. I like it a lot. <laughs> and he's just sitting there with the tape recorder. Like, yeah, yeah. Play on it. When people used to think that having like a tape recorder was easy to rewind back to an actual line, that's in so many nineties films as a technology. Well, they do in Home Alone with a VCR. And yeah. it's like how do you perfectly? You would time never, the never con- get the right moment at all. He'd just be totally like, oh, oh, "Hello." Like, I tell you, who's great in that film? Uh, Bill Paxton's great in that. He is film. great in that the, film, actually. Is the guy pretending to be a a spy? So good. I Where miss Bill Paxton so much. Is um, what do you think of um? The other actor in that film, <laughs> Tom Arnold, <laughs> who still to this day believes they're going to do a True Lies too. He always, do- along with Trump, he's always talking about that. Uh, oh, is he? Uh, is he? Uh, I know he hates him. He? Fucking. Hates oh, he hates him. him. Yeah, yeah. He's he, he's well, the that's guy. Good. He reckons he's got like tapes of him saying like really bad stuff on The Apprentice and things, and he's spending all the time he can to take Trump down. It's kind of to be fair, everyone knows what a shit he is. Yeah, I don't know what. Yeah, it wouldn't work. It wouldn't make any difference. (laughs) Number two would be a war crime if they made it today. Would be what? Sorry, war crime if they made it today. Forrest Gump. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And number one, I think you know Walt Disney film. (laughs) Is it Aladdin? No, it's Aladdin. The Lion King. You got actually got all of those really easily. I thought I'm interested to know how much I've blown out my audio with with my impression of Lady Smith Blackman Bars or whatever they're called. If it's even, (laughs) I think that's good pronunciation. 
I went to see Hans Zimmer, who composed the score of that, and they actually had a whole choir doing that song. Wow. It was quite impressive. Just trying to think if there's anything else on the... I'm trying to see if there's anything else on the top, like, grossing films that's kind of surprising. But really, it's very... I think it's what you expect it would be, really. So I would have thought, like, Interview the Vampire would have been that's a big 11. one on Four Weddings. Four Weddings didn't make that much money in America. Do well, not. it did. It, it's 21. So it made 52 million, but it wasn't like it wasn't making hundreds of millions. I mean, The Lion King made 420 million. So, yeah, <laughs> it's quite a lot of money. I'm surprised. It's probably cost, it's probably crossed a billion now with like because it's been released several times. Yeah. With like 3D re-releases and stuff like that. Out of the vault. That one's never been in the vault. Hasn't it? I don't think so. That and Aladdin have never been. They're kind of... I think they're my favourite Disney films from the 90s. Those two. Aladdin's good because it, it feels more like a Looney Tunes kind of one. Yeah. It's a bit, a bit different. But I tell you, there's some, there are some good ones in the latter ones. Like Treasure Planet's really good and... Like, he got shat on when it came out, but I thought it was quite good. And I actually like... Hercules, I think he's great. I like Hercules, too. Uh, I don't really like Tarzan, uh, but I do like Hercules. Emperor's New Groove is good. I like it. Yeah, I really like Emperor's New Groove. It's really funny. And, uh, and Hunchback of Notre Dame's not bad. Like, I haven't seen Hunchback. It, I've been meaning to watch it. It looks fantastic, and the music is great as well. It was them... I know it was there because I really like Beauty and the Beast, and I know it was there. They were trying to do that again. They were trying to get another Oscar nomination with Hunchback. That was their kind of goal, really. Right. And I, th- I think they missed the mark a little bit, but I think it's a better film than it gets um, credit for. But I haven't seen was it. it tar- I to watch it. Was it Tarzan you said you didn't like? Yeah, I don't like Tarzan. See, the animation is incredible in that, though, where he's sure, like... Sure, sure. Where I guess he's like free... Was it free jumping around the... Uh, <laughs> he's surfing around parkour. the vines. <laughs> yeah. Jungle parkour. Yeah. <laughs> right, should we call it a day? Yeah, let's call it a day. Yeah, that was uh, good. So, um, yeah, next week we're up to 1995 and we're looking at Dead Presidents, actually. Ooh. Which, I'm, I'm interested to watch this one. Yeah, I, the reason it's on my list, actually, is because uh, Mark Commode did a series about cinema stuff in a, on BBC4. And on I'm his shocked. series on cinema, I'm shocked that he's done a series on cinema. I know. Would you believe it? But he he had it in his best heist movies of all time. And okay. I realised I've never watched that. I'd really like to see it. And the the cover of the film is really uh, evocative to me. I remember it just being one of those posters with just the the white face, a hoodie, and a gun. Yeah. On a black background, just being one of those VHS covers or one of those posters that I was always intrigued by you know it was always sitting in my dad's collection or something like that and i yeah i'm looking forward to watching it so it's directed by um, the hughes brothers isn't it the hughes brothers who also did menace to society which i kind of want to watch that one because i think it would be a good like yeah to go next to boys in the hood but he also did from hell yeah they did yeah yeah and i think one of them did um a movie called is it called primal uh last year or something like that and it's meant to be set in like a prehistoric time I have seen it. Okay. I had, okay. had interest in watching it because of archaeology, but... All right. Okay, then. So... No, um... Is it... Oh, no, Liam's not done. <laughs> it's called Alpha. It's not called Primal. I'm mixing Alpha. it. It's called Alpha. But it's worth uh, Why know that? Was that with the boy and the... The boy and the wolf. Do- yeah, 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 yeah. Boy and it's the really dog. Worth watching. <laughs> the boy and the wolf. The dog, yeah. Boy and his dog. Beethoven. Um, 
Right then, so don't forget you can follow us on Twitter. We are Adjust YR Tracks. That's Adjust Your Track. Uh, we are now on. Stop laughing at me. <laughs> we're now on Spotify. We're on iTunes. So if you can give us a nice review, that would be great. We'd really appreciate it. Um, and always, tell your friends. <laughs> don't forget if the picture's bad, always adjust your tracking. Can I say that again? We're going to tackle Chunking Wise. No, we're going to tackle One Car Wise <laughs> Chunking Express. <laughs> I think I blew up my levels a bit. I am blowing up my levels a bit. <laughs> Chunking Wise. Chunking Wise. <laughs> Ask me again. <laughs>